0: Comes to us from the fourth gospel, John chapter 18. Jesus being led by the religious leaders into the governmental political leaders of the day to accuse him and to lead him to the Calvary cross. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. He was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered, well, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him according to your law. The religious leaders replied, we're not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what kind, what Jesus said when he indicated what kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and your chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to them. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So you are a king, Pilate asked. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world. To testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. We are not having children's church this morning, so we'll invite our children to stay where you are and be with your parents and explain to them later what the sermon was about, okay? Let's bow together and pray. May this prayer be more than a prelude to a sermon. May it be an opening of hearts and minds to listen to, to your voice, listen for your voice, to recognize that it might be heard in a sermon or in a scripture or in a song or it might be found in the faces of children or in the handshake of a stranger or in a community that is gathered with an openness to being your people here and now. May we recognize the oneness that you dream for the world for you are the father of all, the creator, the parent. And so we would open ourselves to you by praying again the prayer that Jesus taught, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Some technology is wonderful, and some technology, you may know, is just kind of ridiculous. Watching the news this week, I learned that Nike, the shoe company, has now come out with new technology called the self-lacing shoe. For the person who has everything, I suppose, the self-lacing shoe. Uh, I didn't know I needed such a shoe. On the other hand, there was uh, another report of a different technology that I think actually has some great merit. It could uh, save a lot of money, save a lot of lives, cause... a a lot fewer collisions. It's technology that's going to be placed on all cars in the coming years that will put on some emergency automatic brakes. If your car is moving toward hitting another car and you're not responding in time, the brakes will come on automatically. That's pretty cool. I thought, I need that. Not only for my car, I'd like one of those for my life. For I don't know about you, I suspect you're like me that most of our lives include some crashes and burns. A lot of collisions, a lot of crashes and burns in the world that we live and in the world that's around us. People get distracted, they get off the road. They forget who they are. They become afraid, and so they start to grasp for things that aren't theirs. They start to want things that aren't theirs or try to buy things that they don't have really the money to afford. Materialism, greed creeps in, and there's a crash and a burn. Or people in their insecurity began to become afraid. They become violent with their words or Violent with their actions. They become self destructive and polarizing within families, within groups, within our country. This happens not just to individuals, it does happen to in- individuals. It's personal. But it's also social. It's, it's about something bigger than just you or me. It's about groups that we're part of. It's even about the nation that we love. Jim Wallace has come out with a new book called America's Original Sin. It's about slavery. He makes this really harsh, but I'm afraid true statement. That the United States was established as a white society. Founded on the near genocide of It's indigenous people and the enslavement of another group of people. How'd that happen? This collision that really we've barely acknowledged in our country, much less addressed and resolved, and so it keeps colliding. We keep hitting into the same thing. This week, Christians all around the world recall the collision between Jesus and the forces of fear represented by Pilate, the religious leaders, which ultimately leads him to his death upon the cross. To state what may be obvious, these collisions happen when we go a different direction than God. Personally, socially, Collisions happen when we go a different direction than the direction that God is going in. What direction is God going in? Jesus came into the world to show us that God always goes into the direction of abundance. Jesus says that there are enough resources in the world for everyone. He says there's enough room For everyone. Everyone can be included. There's enough understanding. There's enough space, emotional and spiritual space. There's enough grace for everyone. This abundance doesn't require uniformity. But rather embraces harmony. That we're different. We're diverse. And Jesus sees this human diversity as an asset, not as a liability. Because for Jesus, love never ends. And it extends to whoever is in need of the love. For Jesus, love is like blood in the human body that recirculates and multiplies. It's like money in an economy that that recirculates and makes the world better. This love works to reconcile and redeem everything and everyone. Because it realizes, as we prayed just a few moments ago, there's one God. We refer to this God as the parent, father, our father, collectively. Not just our little group, but every human being who walks on this earth. In fact, the earth itself. We're all one. We're all connected. And so for Jesus, the response to Cain's kind of rhetorical, satirical question, am I my brother's keeper? Is a resounding yes. Yes, you are. That God moves among this abundance. If you want to see the direction God is going, look in the direction of abundance. For this is the only way God goes. Which is what I think Jesus meant in that passage many of us learned as young children but we learned it with a slant the passage was this john 14 verse 6 jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me what is this way what is this truth what is this life it is the life of abundance There is a course of a second direction, an opposite direction. It takes on many different uh, permutations in the world, comes in lots of different varieties, sometimes even including a religious variety. It is the direction of scarcity. Scarcity says there's not enough in the world. There's not enough room. There aren't enough resources. There's not enough space. There's not enough understanding. There's not enough grace for everyone. I am the way the truth and the life is interpreted narrowly. It requires uniformity, conformity, set standards. Anyone who is different, anyone who deviates even slightly is considered suspect and a threat. Because there's a concern. If we love too much, if we're too exclusive or too extravagant, too inclusive in love, we might get sloppy and invite the wrong persons in. And you've got to be careful. You've got to be afraid. Because there's not enough. There's only so much to go around. Therefore, we're not our brother's keeper. We're only required to love our people and our God in our country, in our way, and these two views collide, collide. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. To look at it from human eyes, it's like a Mack truck colliding with a tricycle. On the one hand, you've got Pontius Pilate. He holds the upper hand. He, he represents the empire. He represents Caesar. In all of his grandeur and power, his headquarters, his pageantry, his ability to summon people, standing over against Jesus, whose hands are bound, who had a member of his own inner circle snitch him out, who stands now naked and powerless. On the one hand, you've got Pontius Pilate. He's the voice. When Pontius Pilate says jump, we respond, how high do you want me to jump? Standing over against Jesus, who has no voice at all. It's not pretty. Mack, truck, and tricycle. But eyes of faith see differently. Differently. We come into a place like this on a Sunday morning to see if we can survey the wondrous cross and actually see it differently, to see it anew. Anyone can see the Mack truck and tricycle collision, but can we see what God is up to in this wondrous cross? Pilots promoting a religion of scarcity. He has his variation on Jesus' golden rule. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pilate's golden rule says, those who have the gold make the rules. And the rules always work to the advantage of those in power. Those who are afraid. Those who move in the religion of scarcity. Pilate's almost a caricature of a politician who says, hey, just tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you want me to do. On the one hand, he wants to placate the religious leaders. He goes out to them. He doesn't want them to uh, be defiled by coming into his space. So he goes out to them, talks to them, sees what they want. On the other hand, he's trying to placate the emperor to keep the peace. To make the rules. And so Pilate's role is to manage all this. Retain and set the limits and define the borders. Set up the barriers and the walls so the masses don't try to get in. Pilate likes the world as it is. As it is. And so it's important for him to to clarify. Now, are you a king? Because if you're a king, we've got a problem here. We can't just have rogue kings out there with all these new ideas about what's fair or what's right. We've got to do it our way. There's only one way, and it's our way. On the other hand, we have Jesus, who comes representing the God of abundance, the God of compassion, His mission, his reason for coming into this world is to convey God's direction and to call us all into that direction. His very first words were repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent means simply turn around. Let's go in the direction of God. Let's not collide with God. Let's go in God's direction. And so he announces God's direction. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, sight to the blind, release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free, to announce the year of the Lord's favor, favor. He demonstrates it. He shows it. He gives us little parables all along to say that there's enough for all. There's abundance. Water into wine. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 4,000. Healing the leper. The blind. The paralyzed. Even the foreigner. He forgives the woman caught in adultery. It's all to say there's enough. We don't have to hoard it. We don't have to use it to manipulate people or keep people down. There's enough to share and feed all and a place of worth for everyone. He comes to testify to the truth. For this reason, I've come into the world, Jesus says to Pilate, to testify to the truth. What is the truth? The truth is God is always moving in the direction of those who are broken, those who are lost, those who are forgotten, those who are hurting. You felt him come to you at times. In your times of pain and sorrow and brokenness, when you felt you couldn't go on, you felt him coming to you. That's his mission, to testify to this truth that God loves all the world. And any religion or any, root, any worldview that says otherwise, we need to seriously question. But he comes not just to teach, to announce, not just to testify, not just to demonstrate. He comes to embody. One of the unique things about the Christian message is it's about bodies. It's about humans. It's about life. It's about earth. And on the cross behind me, we have a depiction of his embodying in his humanity, the divinity of abundance that is God as it collides with the humanity of the religion of empire and scarcity and tribalism, which is always about disorientation and disunity. It is the opposite of God. If God is one, God is abundance. Scarcity is about disunity. It's about polarization It's about everyone for himself or herself. The challenge for us this morning is to do as the psalmist did in the passage Carol read for us earlier. Do you and I have the eyes to see so that we might, in the midst of the pain of the world, trust in the Lord? Trust that God is not done. Trust that even in the midst of the collision that looks like a Mack truck and a tricycle, that God is not done. This has been a powerful Lenten season for me as I've joined you in surveying the wondrous cross. This year, Jesus' sacrifice of his life seems more important, more inspiring, more intriguing, but also more intense than I've ever felt it before. Perhaps it's the political climate we're in. Perhaps it's the events and circumstances that have led Highland to raise questions about racism in our world. Perhaps it's our connection to the people in Morocco. Perhaps it's the all the different ways that we try to embody God's love in the world. But it seems so obvious that faith and religion are more than what we say we believe. It's more than what we say we believe. It's what direction we're going. What we're doing with our lives how we use our energies and our gifts, what we trust and how we relate to the world around us. Who are you going to trust? On Palm Sunday, all the people had cast their vote with Jesus. Hosanna, they said. But you know that by Friday, they changed directions. They had recalibrated their GPS and had turned in a different direction. They'd reconsidered. They'd looked at the Mack truck and they said, we're following it. We're not following a guy on a tricycle. What about you? Because the reality is faith can't guarantee you that there won't be a cross in your life, that there won't be a good Friday. God's direction, lived out, often collides with other directions. The question is this. Can faith trust that even in our good Friday, that love doesn't die, that God is not done, and that what goes into the ground in God's direction, comes out new and more alive than ever before. To the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray together. As we confessed earlier, O God, we shrink from suffering. Left to ourselves, we're prone to retaliate rather than turn the other cheek. But when we gather in a space like this, and when we are challenged to look deeply and survey the wondrous cross, we believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. So please, O God, recalibrate our directions and send us in your way, now and forever. Amen.